It has been over two years since I recorded a podcast demo episode, but here we are. This is the demo episode for a podcast that I'm currently titling Back to Normal, and it's not a particularly original title, but I like it because it describes what is going on. My podcast voice is going to need to come back if I'm going to do this. So I don't know exactly what this is going to look like yet, but um, what I have so far is that basically what I want to do, I want a creative outlet. I want some way that I can talk about what's going on. And I don't know, I feel like the reason I wanted to call it back to normal is that I wanted it to be something that I can do until things get back to normal. And then when they are back to normal, there's no reason for it to happen again. And it seems like the kind of thing that I can do without taking too much time and without like... I don't really want something where I have to do a bunch of exhaustive research. It's more like I just want to be able to talk about my experiences and kind of talk things through without without feeling like I need to be authoritative, I guess. And so, and so I guess this episode is just going to be me talking about kind of stream of consciousness style, talking about what I think this should be or what I want it to be. And really what I want to get out of this project is to be able to share information about myself and how I'm feeling. Um, just because that's something that I've been feeling like I want to do for some time now. And it also gives me kind of an excuse to keep my audio recording and my production skills from getting too far away um, fortunately at work, I've had the opportunity to kind of use these skills, um, given the ongoing pandemic. Um, I've basically been in charge of producing these kind of webinar style videos at NSERC for the last, uh, let's say two months, but the planning stage was quite a bit longer than that. Um, this is the kind of thing that I wanted to do for a long time before any of this even started. And, um, the pandemic kind of, kind of gave us a reason to need to do this because um, it was very clear that the kind of presentations we usually give at NSERC involve travel, they involve kind of conferences or giant sessions where people are all together and obviously that doesn't work. And rather than having to kind of either get some equipment out to different people's houses um, in order for them to be able to deliver these properly, it made a lot more sense to just um, centralize the recording of these, the production of these sessions, these kind of um, informational sessions that we give every year. It made more sense to centralize them and have a few key people do this and then make them available on the internet for anyone who wants to, to be able to listen. And it just so happened that I've been trying to do this for a long time and I already had the tools to be able to do it. And ultimately what ended up happening is that, you know, we were able to put together this, this kind of package of information for each, um, each of our main programs. And, um, I think ultimately it turned out really well, but it kind of, it kind of highlights to me that really this pandemic hasn't created any new problems. I mean, in a way it has, because these are things that, um, like the results that have happened, they're obviously bad, but 
you're, you're not really finding that people who are affected by, I guess, what am I trying to say here? The people who are already being used the most in society, the people who kind of have to sacrifice the least are almost having to sacrifice even less. And the people who are used to sacrificing, whether they're aware of it or not, are actually being pushed to sacrifice more rather than less. So what I mean by that is, you know, celebrities, um, a lot of people kind of in the middle class and up, um, they were mostly able, they have been mostly able to um, not really, not so much worry about what's been going on. Um, whereas the people who before any pandemic situation were already kind of going paycheck to paycheck are now being forced into increasingly dangerous situations in order to continue to to just survive. Um, whereas people like even myself have been extremely privileged to basically just... The only thing that's changed about my life um, is that I'm able to see my friends in person way less than I used to. But um, I haven't taken a day off because of any kind of um, for any kind of pandemic reason, I took one vacation day and uh, that was just to, to go to a beach and be separate from other people, except my family. It was just kind of a, a day off during the week when we knew things would be less busy. Um, like I've got a fully stocked office in my basement now. I've had it for, well, since we moved last June, I've had it for almost a year now, I guess. And so I can basically roll out of bed and go downstairs and do my work. I've My work has been basically unaffected. The only thing that has held back what I have to do is kind of making sure that everybody else I work with who is used to, you know, going to the office and that's where the, the tools that they have to do their work is, um, having to make sure that they are able to get to the same standard and they're able to get their work done without, without um, ever having need needing to without ever having needed to think about that before. And again, it comes back to this. Um, we've been talking a lot at work and, and I've been thinking a lot about um, this, the, the push for equity, diversity, and inclusion. And the idea that um, a lot of people focus on diversity as part of that. Um, but I really think it comes down, it comes down as much, if not more on the actual the equity part and i don't think i don't think a lot of people really think about it that way um but for me the equity part comes down to not not making sure everybody gets exactly the same stuff that's not what equity is equity is making sure that everybody has what they need in order to thrive and i have been able to in for my privileged position i've been able to make sure that i do have enough to thrive. I have what I need. Um, so my role in this has to kind of be to use what I do know and what I've learned in order to help others get to not necessarily my point, but to a point where they are able to thrive in their own way with whatever they need. And so if that means making sure that, um, that others can take the same advantage of technology around them as I can, if um, it might mean, you know, making sure that people are able to get two monitors to work from home better or um, 
it's hard to think of good examples because I know what kind of technology I like, whereas I know a lot of people that are not kind of as big fans of technology or aren't really fans of technology at all. They don't necessarily know what is out there, even if whether they would use it or not, it might make their job better if they did have it or could use it. And, um, you know, I find that kind of fascinating thinking about what people what people don't even realize they don't have. Um, for example, I'm learning that some of my um, some of my colleagues at work don't actually have personal computers at home, which to me, I guess, growing up, I had a computer in my in my house from a very young age, just because of the nature of the way things were. So I kind of grew up with a computer in my house, whereas um, I think the generation even right before me didn't have that opportunity just because they were either so expensive or so um, limited. Um, but I was kind of right around the time I turned 10 and would have started getting into technology. We had like Windows 95 was just out and that was just kind of the thing that you did at my age for the kind of person I was. Whereas now I think even like right now, unless your family grew up with a computer or with like with a desktop or with a laptop, um, you might actually, we might actually be going back into a situation where it's unlikely for a family to have a computer at home, like a personal computer at home, just because um, the technology has gotten so commoditized now that if you don't need that laptop or that desktop, if you're either, either if you have a job that doesn't require it, or if you have a job that does require it, but they give it to you at work. So you basically show up to work and you have the computer that you use the most. Um, you're probably fine with just having a laptop or a desktop. And um, sorry, you're fine not having a laptop or desktop. You're fine just having a phone. You're fine just having um, whatever your mobile device is and all the apps you need, all the everything you need to communicate and keep in touch with the world outside doesn't require a full computer anymore and actually the full computer can actually kind of get in the way unless you're doing certain really specific kinds of tasks um so i know for a lot of people that's that's the way things are and they don't need a computer and they don't want a computer the only reason that they would ever have to use a full desktop computer is to do very specific work-related tasks um things like processing large amounts of files um you know the kind of tasks that you're going to spend an hour or two sitting in front of a desk at and um there's just not unless your work specifically needs that there's not there aren't a lot of jobs that that require that kind of you know dedicated long periods of time which i think is kind of interesting um but what it means is that when everybody is forced to work from home businesses and especially ones like i work for the government especially that kind of public service business it's really important that they get access to the same kinds of that everyone get access or at least have the opportunity to access the same kinds of um, technology. And so what has happened is not so much that it's caused a paradigm shift in the way government approaches things. It's more that it has accelerated a paradigm shift that was already happening. Um, so I don't really think, I can't think of a specific example of something that a change that has happened since the pandemic hit to NSERC's business um, because basically what they've done is given training for how to use video conferencing software, given licenses for video conferencing software, 
um, mailed out laptops. Um, they have, they've shipped office chairs. Um, we've gotten access to Microsoft Teams and um, basically been given carte blanche to use any of these tools in any way that we want um, with the caveats, of the usual government caveats, which make sense, which are things like you have to stick to the Privacy Act. So um, obviously only the, the way that you use and interact with personal information of other people, people that have given you that, that information obviously needs to stay private and we have technology in, or in place in order to do that. Um, but also all of the things that I just mentioned, all the list of those things, those were all planned and happening before the pandemic hit and with no, with no idea that it was coming. And all that the pandemic really did was accelerate the pace of these things. Um, these are things which people like me, as me specifically, I'm not sure how many people at NSERC feel, felt the way that I did. Um, we were really pushing for them to do this a long time ago. When, when I heard that there was going to be a move eventually to Office 365, um, but that there was hesitation because it's a, it, I mean, it's a learning curve. It's a different way to think about things. Um, that was, that was holding back the um, technological change which was needed and the pandemic coming actually sped up a lot of of those a lot of those different um, changes and so for me I actually have kind of a lot sooner than I expected access to this what I consider this great technology which I know can be used really well whereas I think um, some of the people I work with view this as they view it as something that is temporary. And so things like using Microsoft Teams, uh, you know, things like working from home more often than not or in, all the time, they view this as temporary and they're kind of doing this until we can get back into the office. Whereas I'm viewing this as a permanent shift in work and I'm only going to work this new way from here on out and I'm only going back into the office when it's required. Um, the benefits for me, basically what the pandemic has done is shift. I mean, I'm not saying I never want to go back into the office. That's not, that's not what it is, but um, the benefits that this is, that this shift to mainly working from home has done um, for my mental health, for my kind of work-life balance has been, amazing because for me i'm now getting a chance to work exactly the way that i want um the the kind of the hardest thing for me working in the office was that i found it pretty hard to focus sometimes and usually the reason for that was that people are around and I mean, it's not necessarily that someone's asking you a question, but if someone's asking your neighbor a question or if two people are having a conversation outside your, your cubicle, um, you're either trying really hard to block that out or you're distracted by it. And more often than not, I was able to mostly block it out, but you know, it's, it's easier to be distracted when you're around a lot of other people. And so for me, when I'm able to go into my basement and especially early in the morning, especially before my, the rest of my family wakes up, um, 
while my daughter's down for a nap, I'm able to get that focus time that I really, I could get it at work, but I had to be very deliberate about it. Whereas now, um, basically, and again, I'm in a privileged position because <laughs> my wife is a teacher, so she's off for the summer. And we're in a position where we can basically keep my daughter home. We don't have to think about daycare. We don't have to think about school. Um, the three of us in our family can really hunker down together and only need to leave the house when we want to. We have the choice to say, um, you know, we need groceries. We have the choice to, um, you know, go to stores every once or twice a week when we need to, to get stuff. Um, we're not... At no point so far in this have we been forced to put ourselves at risk in order to make ends meet or in order to, um, you know, feel a social connection. All, all the risk that we have taken on as a family has been entirely voluntary. And obviously, we're very lucky to be in that position. Um, but I think, I know I'm, I'm it's not... It's not a new idea that uh, different personalities are affected by, by you know, stay-at-home orders or stay-at-home guidelines or needing to work from home. Um, those kinds of things don't affect everybody in the same way. But for me, this is kind of my ideal because I grew up, growing up when I, <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> thinking about it now, when I say growing up, when I said it 10 years ago, Growing up meant like my teenage years, but now for me, growing up is like 18 to 25, which is kind of crazy to think about because I'm 30, uh, 32 now, I think. I forget my age all the time. Um, but when I say growing up now, I mean 18 to 25. So kind of moving out, going through university, um, you know, finding apartments on my own. Um, when I was growing up, the first thing I did. Um, was go to university in a different city and actually a different province than so than any of my family and so it meant that in order to this this is kind of also just as technology was getting good enough that you could have you could keep in touch with people without um, a phone um, you know back in 2006 2007 it was right around the time when video conferencing started to even be technologically possible with any with any commoditized hardware with any um, actual reasonable quality of video. And so in, in moving across the country from anybody else I knew right at that time, um, I was able to use that kind of technology in order to stay in touch with my parents a lot better than I otherwise would have. Um, if it had been 20 or 30 years earlier and I moved across the country in order to go to school, I was only seeing my parents maybe once a year and if I talked to them on the phone, you know, it was on a dedicated landline. Um, it would probably be very infrequent. If it was a little earlier than that, I'm, the technology is weird. So um, I know the phones existed for a lot longer than I think about. But um, there's a chance that like if I had been born a couple generations earlier and moved across the country for school or moved to a different country for school, that I would need to be writing letters. And like, you might need to take a boat in order to get, um, like it might be a several day voyage to cross the, the country or to cross um, an ocean, for example. Whereas now we kind of, 
it's definitely a it's definitely a thing for a lot of people, but it's not an impossibility. Um, so when I was growing up, you know, I moved across the country, um, but I was able to personally come into technology from the perspective of connecting people. Um, I was able to quickly pick up, um, you know, how to stay in touch with people that you couldn't be physically close to. And that also meant that not only did I have to learn that, but if my parents and specifically my mom wanted to talk to me, wanted to see me, wanted to hear from me, um, she had to learn it and my parents had to learn it too. It wasn't just me. You have to have two sides to a video chat. So my my parents also got good at consumer technology because they had to if they wanted to talk to their son and if they wanted to see him more than just on the phone. Um, and so they did. And that's still benefiting, I think, that's still benefiting them to this day. And that's still the way that we, because I'm still across the country, that's the main way that they see their daughter now. Or not their daughter, their granddaughter now. And I think that's a really... Um, that has kind of informed who I am now, and it's been really, it's been, um, what am I trying to say? It's been nice to know that even though currently, you know, there's a lot of friends that no matter how close as friends you are, um, circumstances just mean that you can't see each other all the time. And a lot of that communication that you rely on has to happen virtually now using technology and that's true of personal connections like friends and family but it's also true of work colleagues and so um, going back to what I was mentioning about um, you know working from home there are fewer distractions and it is possible to stay in touch with your colleagues um, but there's less of an expectation that you're always kind of drop-inable um, you know, we have, we have our regularly scheduled meetings, but it's not very frequent that somebody sends you a message and says, Hey, can, can you talk? Um, I have a question. Do you have a minute? Um, that doesn't happen as much as it did in person in the office. And so what you end up getting is lots more uninterrupted time to do your own work. And I, I think part of that is actually temporary, once we are able to, you know, once more than just a few people are able to go back into the office and work out of the office normally, if, if that's something they want to do, um, again, I'm still not going to be, I don't think I'm going to be making that choice for a little while now. Um, but as people start to, as the office starts to be more normal again, um, I think we're probably going to revert back a little more towards people being, you know, during the working hours, during the kind of nine to three core business hours, um, we are going to see more people taking advantage of the technology we have in order to have either synchronous, you know, sort of video chat um, conversations about things or asynchronous chat where, um, where now it's much more about um, you know, what do we need to do? What do we need to get done now in order to keep our business running? It's going to switch more to, um, you know, using the technology we have in order to, in order to stay in touch and work on things collaboratively. 
And so I know that that's not going to, I don't think it's ever necessarily going back to the way it was before, but I think that gradually we'll, we'll come to a point where, um, where the vast majority of the people that you work with will be comfortable enough with the technology that we have now that the, that the pandemic has kind of forced us to use, that everyone will have a certain base comfort level with that technology that will enable them to work work remotely even if they're not remote. And I guess what I mean by that is that with the tools we have to not need to be in the same space as colleagues, as coworkers, um, I think we're going to find that we now see, we now know um, it's kind of been exposed bare that there are some things that in-person, you know, synchronous video chat, in-person meetings, <clears throat> there's things that that is really good for. And then there's also things that I think some people thought that was good for, but it was actually kind of a waste of most people's time. And I think we'll see that those kind of unnecessary meetings are going to become less common even if we do go back to the office and honestly for myself i think that's great because i i went to too many of those kinds of meetings um but it does mean that um it does mean that a lot of what a lot of the time that you spend during your work day whether you are at work or whether you are working from home will not be taken up by um will not be taken up by things that you have no control over. They will be, you'll be able to deliberately say, okay, this is my time. I'm like, it's almost like the, in a debate when you reclaim your time and you can say, okay, Tuesday, I really have to get this task done. I'm actually deliberately stepping away from kind of office um, persona and basically saying, this is my day. I'm going to dedicate four hours and I'm going to get this done and you might even say if we're back if we're back in offices and you know things are a lot more normal i think people will choose to take like or in terms of mental health balance i mean obviously vacations are still going to be a thing but i think we'll see um that you'll be able to take a mental health day but not you're not taking a sick day you're just saying okay this day I really need to focus, so I'm not going to come into the office. Um, I now have the resources to work from home, and I have the task that I need to just focus on individually. So I'm not coming in today. I'm just working. This today is going to be a work from home day. I just need it right now. And I think that's actually going to be enabling for a lot of people because in the past, that kind of day, you might need to take a day off because you don't feel like going into the office or... You just feel kind of not, not necessarily burnt out, but maybe light, burnt out light. Like um, it's not that you are burnt out, but it's that you feel like it might be coming. Um, rather than feeling like you need to take a long vacation or take a vacation day, you can just say, okay, for a couple days or a day, I'm just not going to come into the office. And I'm going to kind of refocus, recenter, um, not have to deal with the kinds of things that an in-person office has to deal with. And for me, at least that, Assuming that does happen, which I think would be really nice, um, I think it's going to lead to more of a work-life balance. And and I guess I'll just wrap up because it's been half an hour, but um, 
for me, that kind of thing will be really nice because like I said, my family, the three of us, we've been hunkered down here since March, but like personally, I'm totally fine. I'm not, it's not like I'm not wanting to things to get back to normal, but I'm not feeling claustrophobic. I'm not feeling, um, you know, stuck. I'm not saying I wouldn't do more given the opportunity to do it in a safe way, but I'm also not itching to, you know, go back into stores. I'm not like the thing that I'm most wanting to do is to, um, you know, see more people more often, but I'm not, I'm not feeling that acutely. I'm not feeling like I want to do something unsafe in order to make that happen. Um, it's a lot more like, it's a lot more like I have a feeling that I want to, I want to see the people, it's kind of focused and I want to see the people that are most important to me. And so I'll see some friends sometimes outdoors, but the majority of the time that I'm spending in my life now is either alone when I'm working, for example, or with my family. And that's, that's not so much a choice as it was thrust upon me, but I'm really finding that I like it a lot. And again, it's not like I didn't like my family before, but it's thrown into a sharper relief that I do and that you know, it feels like I made the right choice in who I want to spend the majority of my life with. It just means that now, given that we're in these social bubbles, um, you know, you you spend a lot more time with your bubble mates. And if you have problems with those people, they are worse. They are exaggerated. Whereas um, if, you know, you can mostly get along with those people, that's that's also much more clear. And so for me, that's been... That's been very clear now, and I like it. Um, So this was a meandering garden path, but um, it kind of clarifies a couple things for me. One is that I like doing this, and I don't know how well it works with one person. We'll have to see if if I want to do guests or if I can have a more focused topic because it's kind of all over the place. But it's also shown me even more importantly that I really need to work on my podcast voice because talking like that for half an hour is tiring mentally and physically on my throat until you get used to it again. So I'm going to sign off for now. Um, This has been fun and hopefully I'll be back soon with more. All right. Bye.